0: The Walk the Mile podcast is produced on Gadigal land. I acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which Skake Darlinghurst stands, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to elders past and present. May our reconciliation be an ongoing process of love and compassion. Hello everyone, I'm Gary Lee Lindsay, school chaplain at Skeggs Darlinghurst, and you're listening to Walk the Mile, a podcast that opens up conversations that we need to have. Ooh, we're, family. Ooh, 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 we're family. Hello everyone and welcome to Walk the Mile. This is the Skeggs podcast, which we started last year. In 2020, which came from uh, some discussions that we had, we had to put things online, and we found that people were responding quite well to our discussions, observing discussions. And so we started the podcast so that we could have more of these discussions for people to join in on and with. If you have something you want to talk about, a topic that you think would be worth talking about, if you'd like to come and join me here. No one's an expert on these podcasts, we might have experts one day in different topics, but uh, you don't have to be an expert to talk about the things we talk about here, it's to share with our community and hopefully create more discussions. Today we're talking about a, a topic that I've been thinking about for a long time in my role and uh, part of my identity. Talking about fathers and daughters and today I have the year 12 coordinator, Mr Victor Woolley. Vic as we know him. How are you Vic? I'm good thanks Gary um, and <laughs> thanks for having me on your
1: podcast today. I've heard great things about it and so I hope that I'll be able to um, help the conversation and you know enlighten your audience a little bit.
0: I'm sure you will. Now Vic you're, you're a father I've two children. I've got three children, Gary. Three children. Yeah.
1: They come quick sometimes. You can't forget. No, I, <laughs> I have three. My, 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 my youngest son's turning four tomorrow. I have a daughter in year one who's um, six in April and my oldest is about to turn eight. He's in
0: oh year three. Oh my gosh. So two sons, one daughter. In, in the, the middle. middle. That's, That's right. right. And you've been, a, you've been a year coordinator here for a number of years. How many years now? So this will be my sixth year as a year coordinator at
1: Skeggs. Um, I, I was at a, a school called Newtown um, uh, High School of the Performing Arts before that where I was a year coordinator for the last three years of my time there. So I've actually worked out the other day that I think it's nine out of my last ten years as a teacher I've been a year coordinator. Wow. So was, yeah.
0: Good on you. What, what do you reckon is one of the most challenging parts of you being a, a year coordinator? What does a year coordinator do here at Skeggs do you think? Um, I get
1: asked that question sometimes, and um, it, it, I think there are so many different things. I mean, even my, my day this morning, you know, I've, I've spoken to kids, I've spoken to parents, I've helped sort of organise and facilitate hairdressers who are about to turn up for the cuts for cancer. I've tried to s- plan my lesson three Romeo and Juliet class. Um, I'm here now doing a podcast with you, and <laughs> I think the beauty of, of being a year coordinator at Skeggs is that the, um, the, no... Two days are the same, and, and yes, sometimes you might deal with some things that are that can be confronting or can be quite upsetting, but I also think that you can do some really great things in terms of helping the girls here, working with staff, um, you know, working with families, which is something I really love mm. doing, and, and just offering my advice and support and, and, and help when it's needed, so... To say what a year coordinator does as many things. The, the, I think the, mission, the job description says that I look after the pastoral and, and, and um, or coordinate the pastoral and academic sort of progress for the girls, and that can encompass h- hundreds of different things. Yeah, so it's that's a very, right. And I like the, the variety. I like the, right.
0: the shifts and the changes. So. Good, and you do a great job. Talking about families, so working with families. So... Can you give us some ideas as to what your role is in terms of working with families like some scenarios maybe not specific but you know um general scenarios of what what you might encounter working with students and why you would encounter families in that
1: yeah uh, as in the year coordinator role you know you you will deal with many different i'll just sort of say you know issues that might pop up both with girls at school but also often they, they link to the families and you know we always say as teachers that that link between teacher student and, and, and parents is so important and I think I mean I know that probably each, if you asked each year coordinator at the school they'd, they'd probably give you a different answer but for me it's keeping those, those links together to build those relationships to know that you know parents can lean on us and ask for advice when the kids need, need help with things we can, we can do that as well and so just in very simple terms you know a parent might call up with a problem and the problem could be a range of things and mm. I suppose it's who, who I how I can deal with it myself who I can engage with at school. That can help and, and all those things. And how
0: important is that communication between you and the parent, and you and the child, like the the triangle, I guess you might want to call it. I
1: think it's you know it's absolutely vital. And I I would have had hundreds of conversations and, and interactions with parents over the years. You know you don't get everyone right. Sometimes they work out really well, and you you develop really good relationships. And sometimes you, you, it might not be the case, but. You know, I, I think it's it's vital to you know, and that's what I think it's not just me, but what Skeggs does so well is that we always look after the girls here and we we try and put that network of people out, whoever it may be. If yeah. I think that I can't help that you might be able to, or you know, Bethany or Jenny or whoever mm. it might be that, that we're able to um, to just steer them in the right direction and help where we can. And, and the other thing is things we can't do and we're lucky we've got people who can help with that or you know, liaising with with, with medical people who might be able to as well. Sure.
0: Now, sort of verging on to our topic, in your experience of being a year coordinator for so long and working with families, how uh, how have you approached your work with fathers? I know here in my role, I'm often talking to mothers. I do have some conversations with fathers, but I often find those conversations might be a little bit different in a way. Can you give us some examples, again, some scenarios, some stories about your involvement with fathers? How do you see your role with fathers? Is that different at all? might not be. Is that different at all to your role uh, in, in communicating with mothers? Well, I know before we, we started recording, I did say
1: that um, I'm, I'm very aware that, that you know, family dynamics and, and the way that families are structured are very can, can be very different and, and varied. And, and I know there's a lot of girls here, for whatever reason, who might not have fathers. Um, I still think when, when you're dealing with, um, you know, a, a kid who, who has mum and dad in whatever that, that looks like, that it's really important to engage with both. And I'm in a unique position because, you know, I mean, if you look around the school, there isn't many male teachers here. And um, I think I, I asked the question to, to Sophie Kearns, the old director of pastoral care one day, well, who was the last male year coordinator, I think it it might go back to to Andrew Gallagher or someone, but but I've I've been in the role six years, so that's six times six year coordinators, there hasn't been one, and so it it puts me in a different position, and I think, you know, um, it makes me try and be more aware of the the default, why do we tend to ring mothers when there's a problem, why do we do that, why do we not engage with the fathers, and so I'm constantly thinking about it, but then I'm also just as guilty of the default and calling the mother as well, and so... um, I, you know, Again, it's sort of the the uh, male in a room of lots of females, which is kind of the story of working <laughs> here sometimes. But I went to a conference in Adelaide about three years ago and it was about, I think it was uh, Strong strong Girls, Fierce Women or something like that that was looking at you know, building the, the welfare and kind of uh, things up for girls. And I would say in the conference of what, 300 people, there might have been 10 men. There weren't mm. many. And the only one male presenter, um, this, this story always stuck with me and he was really good and... He, he was talking about this very thing, and he said that there is a point in the, the father-daughter relationship. Sometimes it's thirteen—that's about the roundabout figure—where the, they'll be walking to school with their daughter, and the daughter will flick their hand away, and that sort of symbolic movement. Sometimes that the, the father never reaches back for that mm, hand. They, yeah. You know, that for whatever reason, um, you know, the, the teenage years for, for, for girls are difficult, and maybe that's a point where they opt out. And, I was talking to a parent on the phone today actually and I said that, you know, I, I feel, when I'm in my job I feel like I'm not an expert but I'm pretty confident in what I do but then I go home with my daughter and I'm a, I'm a complete novice and it's one <laughs> thing for me to, to say these things and all this great advice for fathers yet I know it's hard because I sometimes can't even ask my daughter what she did at school today without her screaming at me and so it's a
0: really But that's a good one. point, isn't it? Because that's a different conversation as a parent because I guess there's a whole bunch of different other things going on The emotional connection, your history, your experience, your role as a well—I guess—as a year coordinator, you have a role as a disciplinarian, but in a different way, as well. But that's a good point. How do you, as a male, you know, you have to interact with females all day? Um, How is that different to interacting with your own daughter?
1: You've got six, don't you? (laughs) I mean, not just my daughter, but um, all the things that, as a professional, that work. Like I said, they often don't work at Mm. home, and it is a a different thing. Um, I was also thinking of a time too, and and this is that importance of engaging um, dads. And you know, I would hope that as a father, that when things happen with my daughter, um, you know, I'd be phoned up or I'd be part of the conversation. I was just obviously trying to do a bit of research before mm. I sat down with you and I was thinking that perhaps that also, you know, I mean, I'm 42, I'd say that the dads at this school, I mean we've got K to 12, but you know, it's, a lot of the dads would fall not, not you know, around me mm. and that I was also thinking about what the the role of the man and what was considered masculine when the people, not my, my dad who brought me up and yeah. I'm thinking we're in that transition place where because the world was very different and men probably didn't do any girls business or any yeah. of those things that we have that legacy in that we still are a little bit awkward in, in how we do things. And so I was talking to i um, I'll just say, you know, a parent once, and it, it stuck with me too. And it was actually a really proud moment in my um, teaching career where we were talking about something that might have been considered more girl stuff. And I spoke to him and, and he said that, oh, look, my wife's back next week, and look, you probably really should be talking to her about this because that's more up her alley because she's a woman. And I stopped him and I said, no, I think your daughter needs you mm. um, at just as much as, as, as she needs to speak to mum, but I think that you can be really powerful in this situation. And I suppose it's for all of us males in it, I'm not quite sure how old you are, but you know, in the similar generation that we, we maybe break down some of those, mm. those those stereotypes from the past in how sure. we deal with our own kids.
0: I'm actually in a different decade to you, Mr. Woolley, yeah. just <laughs> to let you know. Well, um, that good living, you still look young. <laughs> so, what is it, do you think? What is it that we believe? with that guy saying, you know, I think that's the mother's role to talk about this. And you say, no. So you're obviously saying, no, you, the, the father can give something in this situation. It's not just the only, you know, the mother has all these tools in a kit that she can use. But but you're, you stop that guy to say, no, you've got something else to offer. What is it? What is it that the father can actually offer to their daughters? What were you What were you trying to point out? What were you saying to him, that you can step in here and, and be part of this? Well, I think that,
1: you know, and you'd probably agree with me, and I know you talk to a lot of the girls here, but the girls need love sometimes. They just need people to, to stop and say they care. And, and I, I don't think he was saying that I don't want to deal with this, but I think it was that this isn't something I'm comfortable don't with. Know how that, to. Yeah, all those things exactly. And, I mean, do, do we, I don't know how... You and I can do it, but you know what, how do the fathers get equipped with those skills to be mm. able to, to show those things? Mm. You because know? you know you've, you've constantly hear that story of teenage girls saying about their awkward father and how to stay out of this and things, and it's it is
0: there. And how do we do it? Um. So the question was that, uh, what what was it that you were asking him to give? Yeah. Like, what was he? It sounded to me like you were, you you noticed that he doubted himself. Yeah, that he was thinking, no, I can't. It's not my role here. I can't. I can't be involved in this because I don't have the skills. I don't have the whatever to be involved here. But you said, "No, hang on a sec. You do have a role here. You can be involved." I remember you talking about generations past, and there was a TV show, a cartoon called "Wait Till Your Father Gets Home," and I think that was the idea was that the father's role was just to come and you know shake the finger and hand out the discipline. But I think now. It, it might be a little bit blurry in terms of parents' roles, a bit blurrier in some ways. But I think there, there's the opportunity for fathers, more of an opportunity for fathers to play a different role um, than just the disciplinary. We're calling fathers to play a dis- different role.
1: Yeah, I think too that, and this um, might not necessarily, I mean, it might, obviously the best they can would help in that situation, but I think also fathers, it's really, I mean, for, you would think that most of these girls, their first... You know significant relationship with a male is their father and what that sets out is a male can care a male can be compassionate you, and and not only in terms of what you might get out of the relationship with your father but it's also setting a model for what perhaps mm. a, a good modern male should be doing in and other relationships yeah and i probably think that, you know, that at some point the conversation might go with all the topical stuff with the petition over the last couple of weeks and i know it's a big jump but if these are the attributes that males yeah. should have. They listen. They can talk about a variety of things. Mm. They can be compassionate. And um, you know, I did. And um, I was talking to you before we started as well about um, listening to music on the way here. And one of my favourite bands is the Smashing Pumpkins. And I was listening to Billy Corgan, back you know the, the stuff that I used to listen to in the nineties. And I mean, the the men in those rock bands, even though there was a bit of bravado, they were singing about quite kind of. Mm. Um, con- not compassionate but emotional things they were showing their emotions there was that big era of, of musicians and I'm not sure if that's there anymore for, for the kids I, don't, I know they're seeing different things I'm, I don't, I'm probably out of the loop with what they're listening to and what they're seeing but you know that, that model of someone who is yeah. a man who can listen not only helps them in the time but I think yeah. also um, helps them in the future for when they yeah. make friends maybe make romantic partners and, and things like that
0: so I guess as a parent that, that role as a role model is incredibly important to actually stop and think about what am I modeling to my child whether it be to my daughter or my son in terms of how they see the world in terms of what they understand their role is of how they understand what they're going to become or what you know as an adult male or female or whatever or a mother or father in the future what what do they perceive that to be I think that's incredibly Yeah, important, and and I guess you're saying, you know, it's important for fathers to model to their children this idea that you can be compassionate, that you can that you can talk about things, that you can share those Mm. things.
1: Males can cry. Males Males can be upset. Males can deal with things that are that might be considered (laughs) female issues and that sort of stuff. Of course they can, and that's you know the the girls at the moment they say. I mean, I know that there's a, a difference between a father and some of the petition stuff, but they're crying out for, you know, respectful, healthy relationships between yeah. males and females. And I think those things can be taught through mm. father's actions in how they, they might, you know, like I said, if, if, if that, I, I have a sister, and I'm sure that, you know, when, when we were growing up, some of the things that issues my sister, my dad would have said, that's not my problem. You know, men don't do this. Come over here and let's do this, Vic. Yeah. And, and, and that's the, yeah. the attitude that has to shift, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. I was speaking at a father-daughter thing a few years ago, and I guess my theme was about fathers being involved and that picture that you gave, you know, when they flick the father's hand away, stop holding the father's hand. And I was saying, when they do that, you've got to chase them even further. You've got to go back and grab their hand, not necessarily, you know, figuratively. Metaphorically. Metaphorically. <laughs> thank you. And being, didn't say that. Vic's an Eng, English teacher as well. Yeah. Help me with my, <laughs> <laughs> with my whatever. So I'm lost for words now. But uh, that idea of pursuing your daughter, even if they reject you or if it comes across as rejection, that pursuit of your daughter, though I still want to be involved in your life, they're still interested in what you're doing, I, you know, that sends a, a big message, even if you might not get the response that you want. Yeah. Um, is really important. The listening to the daughter is so important. I remember one of my daughters... Um, at one stage in her schooling life, wanted to change schools. And I said to her, it's no, ridiculous, you know, you're not going to change schools. Anyway, when she got into her 20s, uh, and she still does from time to time remind me of that, and she says, Dad, remember that time that I came home and I wanted to change schools and you just told me it was ridiculous and you didn't listen to me? She keeps reminding me. Of that. <laughs> and I um, I often remember that story because I didn't stop. I just had a view I wanted to give her my view and she just had to deal with that. She had to take that. Maybe sometimes, you know, of course as parents you do have to have a say and you do have to sort of have the bottom line but there are often like that situations where I need to listen to her and say, well, why don't we explore this? Why don't we think about the options? You know, but I wasn't even willing to go there and I think uh, as a father being able to stop and to listen to your children and have discussions to think about where they're coming from and of course you know it doesn't mean that they get to have the last say but to be involved in that to show respect for your children you know in doing that i think that's incredibly important i think that pursuit of your daughters is to show respect that you're you're important enough for me to show an interest in your life Um, you know, we believe it, but to actually do it in some ways, they need to get that message rather than more than just words.
1: Yeah, and um, according to Paul Dillon, he came and spoke to, to a number of the girls at school, that he said the most recent statistics say that um, a teenage... Well, a, a young woman's brain forms at about 21, and a, a male, apparently, it's about 40 now, which makes a bit of sense. But the girls, when they are at school and when they're teenagers, they're, they're not adults yet, and yes, they may throw a tantrum, they may slam the door in your face, but when they... They come back as adults, like your daughter did. They'll come back with that saying, well, "Why didn't you do this?" And mm. I think that you're right that that showing that you care, that pursuit in the right way, and because they'll come back as adults and I th- yeah. say, "Thank you for actually showing." Even though I slammed the door in your face, I told you to get stuffed, or whatever it might be. That, but you show, and I think that is really powerful.
0: What do you think? What do you think it is that the girls, from your experience of talking to girls here, what is it, or do they ever express that quite? Clearly what they want from their parents or from their fathers even
1: I think the, and this is probably more you know, mum or dad but I think the girls here want to be recognised for the things they do and look there's girls here who do it tough for lots of different reasons but um, and I know that for whatever reason it happens that the the girls here work hard and, and, and we know that they put pressure on themselves and those things. I think the girls want to be recognised for trying and working hard and, and, and that sort of thing. I think that, that, that that's really important. Um, what do you mean
0: by recognised? Like, is it is it more than just saying, oh, you did really well in that maths test? Or uh, what do you think they want? What is it that they want to be recognised?
1: I think they're trying. They're working hard. and Working hard is, is, isn't just the maths test, but it's they're really giving, you know, teenage life a good go they mm. they're doing their schoolwork they're trying mm. to have healthy friendships you know that their worlds are changing there mm. I mean you know, you, whichever I think about the years that I've been a year coordinator and you know year 10 the partying starts the boys by year 11 a bit more year 12 you've got the pressures of the HSC and all that stuff in this world and 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 I think you know, I know we're from different decades but the pressures with social media, the pressures with a mm. whole bunch of different things that exist now, I think it's much harder for, teen- for teenagers now than it was
0: when yeah, we were growing right. up. And, you know, they are doing their best and there's a lot of challenges. And so, do you, so is it wanting that to be recognised, that this is a tough world that they're living in? Yeah,
1: and that, that they're trying their best. And you know, there's different degrees. I'm sure there's some kids who are really lazy and, and their parents think that as mm. well. But I think that to, to be recognised and, and to... <laughs> No, it's a hard question. But it is a hard question. Yeah.
0: I often I often get girls saying, like what you said, that recognition is about not just being told what to do or not just just you know being, oh, you did really well in that maths test and keep it up. But it's something about just being with them in whatever's going through. Even if parents don't understand, like there's a lot of... It's a lot of things. I remember when my I remember saying to one of my kids uh, watching something and I said, Oh, who's that? Some celebrity. I had no idea who that who it was. Uh, he's an influencer. And I said, What's an influencer? And I went, Oh, you're an idiot, Dad, you know <laughs> You know, it's only like last year. <laughs> um, yeah, they do it for a job and I said, What? you know, how you do it for a job and blah blah blah. And they thought it was quite rude that I had this sort of take on, you know, why can't people do this? Again, not just going into the discussion. And I think that interest in their world, you might not get it, like there's a lot of things I might not get or understand, but an interest in their world and just to be in their world and not having to be the cool friend or, you know, start following influences just to get an understanding of it. Just to show an interest that way into their world yeah is is interesting
1: I know it's your podcast but and this is probably more advice, but I suppose a question I have for you too is that your kids are much older than mine and you've all of yours are out of school now aren't they yeah. you've gone through, how that tri- what i'm thinking about more and more and is that as a father, is that transition from being a young dad with young mm. kids to mm. being a, an older man and being less, yeah. you know, not realizing who the cool influences are and, and not being that person anymore? You know, more grey hair, not being able to run around as much—all <laughs> those things. I know mean, you don't have any, but have ha- any how, how have you handled that transition? Because that's something that the dads here would be. You know, you've, you start with a lot of the girls here start in kindergarten, and you're that kindergarten dad. Sure. But before you know it, your daughter's in year nine yeah. and she's going to parties, and
0: it's it's very interesting in fact it it can be quite annoying at times because as people get older they do have their own opinions and they'll tell you you know I find my older children tell me what's right now how I should think (laughs) giving it back to me (laughs) Um, so trying to engage them, I find yeah I I can have more discussions with them which is really nice but I think they have more opinions and so for me, I have to, you know, I, I can get quite frustrated with some of my kids because they can be quite opinionated. Um, but I have to try to explore that, you know, because they're living in a different world. That, what we said before, they're living in a different world. They've got different ideas. You know, I feel like I'm becoming the old fogey and yeah. sometimes. But to actually stop and just listen and... You know, my eldest is almost 30 now, um, but I still feel... I, I am still his father, but I still feel like I have to give some sort of guidance and direction, even though he's 30. But, um, but at the same time, he, d- he might not want it as much or he doesn't seek it as much. And so how do you... How do, yeah, it's a good question, Vic. How do you remain that... Oh, I'm always going to be his parent, but how do you stay in that conversation? Yeah. Uh, is different, is very different. Yeah. One thing
1: I've been told a number of times by um, parents here because the, they'll always ask me about my kids and, you know, we'll stop for five minutes or two minutes and have a chat about, and I'll sort of talk about the issues I'm having with the kids, not going to sleep, whatever it might be, and then they'll stop me and say we would take that back any time because our issues are that they're out all night or mm. we don't know where they are. So, yeah. yes, you know, even if you're up till two in the morning with yeah. a crying kid, at least you know where yeah. they are. And it's that, that's the transition from young child parent to old child yeah. parent
0: isn't it well, I think the older they get you know I feel this in within me trying to steer their futures and I know I can't do that and I have to let that go that's hard I think you mean, know, to do that as a young with younger kids too you know wanting them to play footy or wanting them to you know do whatever or wanting to have lots of friends and all that stuff but you, it's recognising that control that you can't have that control and as they get older, recognising that even more and and them having those opinions knowing that, you know making these decisions um, which doesn't determine their whole life at all but, you know, puts them in a they're in a far more responsible position one of my kids, you know he's into the arts quite a lot and, um, which is great you know, he's a great writer and he's, he's an actor and so on but you know, this can be a fairly unstable uh, profession to be in, and I've got to let him do that because he enjoys that. But but there's within me thinking, you know, come on, mate, when are you going <laughs> to go and do an accounting degree that <laughs> <bit> but of... <laughs> <laughs> gonna... But I have to let that go, you know. I do have to. It's his life. Yeah, he's my son, but he's his own person as well. And I would imagine our parent group here. Um
1: would we'll probably go through similar things because i'm sure to, yeah, to be a parent sure. here for the most part you might have followed a more traditional path and you'd be having kids who want to do something different
0: you know, yeah yeah be
1: actors or be singers and musicians and i, I imagine that would be, be be also challenging and i, and I yeah. see that sometimes where you can clearly see that that you know parents come from a different generation or a different way of, of what what people should be doing in yeah. their teenage years and, yeah. and that clash can often um, cause yeah. cause problems and
0: it's not an easy road. I was speaking to a parent the other day on the phone and we both said to each other, what have we done? What have we done having children? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, it's a blessing. It's a great blessing to have children, but it, it is challenging and it's, and it's worth a discussion. Yeah. And I thank you for this discussion, Vic. It's been great talking to you. Thank it's you. Great, great things to say.
1: Yeah, I appreciate uh, you. I've heard good things about this podcast, so it's a, it's a privilege to be able to, to come and speak to you.
0: No, it's great to have you here. And uh, if you do want to respond, we'd love to get your emails. Love to have a chat with you if you want to respond, if you've got more things to say. But as I said before, if you want to be part of this, we've got some ideas. Love to hear from you as well. Great to get some feedback. Thank you very much, Vic. Thank you to my producer, our producer, <laughs> Mr. Ayers, the head of drama here. Thank you all for listening. I look forward to uh, our next podcast. I hope that you can join us again. Take care, everybody. Bye now.